today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear the truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. As Jesus and the disciples came to those eastern shores of the Sea of Galilee, Luke tells us that it was Jesus that stepped out on the land. Only Jesus that stepped out on the land. And it says that there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time and who wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house but in the tombs. It's interesting, Matthew and Mark, also along with Luke, tell us in essence the very same thing. And none of them mention the disciples. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus gets out of a boat in the region of Gerasenes and is met by a demon-possessed man. The Bible tells us that this tortured soul had supernatural strength, had no home, wore no clothes, and had legions of demons controlling his wild behavior. In today's message, Pastor David navigates through the strange world of demonology. Most importantly, Pastor David will also reinforce the fact that even a legion of demons is no match for King Jesus. Christ is able to set even the most enslaved and imprisoned free. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, Close Encounters of the Demonic Kind. absolutely no way in the world that you and I could even begin to imagine the darkness, the overwhelming, all-consuming darkness that seemed to envelop this man in in a way that, that no lack of light would be. No, it was much more than a lack of light. There was a darkness that overwhelmed him, that possessed him, that kept him that tormented him day and night, that drove him from normal society to live there among the tombs. There's no way that you and I can even imagine in the worst of our days, the worst of our battles, all that that man had to go through for such a long time in his life. And we don't know how long it was. We don't know how long this darkness controlled him, consumed him, devoured him. Sucking his very life out of him to the point that he himself desired to do damage to his own body. Nothing could hold him. Nothing could constrain him. Nothing could keep him because of the power of the darkness that was working in him day and night. No rest. No peace. Just this constant, continual darkness. He had been a man of the city. Moms, he was somebody's son. He could have been someone's husband. He might have been someone's father. But the demonic power that overwhelmed him at this point in time in his life, and apparently for quite a long time in his life, drove him from family, from friends, from community, to live only with the demons 
that possessed him. The only voices that he communicated with were those demonic forces that lived inside of him. Because no one else could deal with him. He was a man filled with rage. He was a man filled with terror. And everyone that saw him kept away from him as far as they possibly could. Today we're going to look at an incident in the life of Jesus as he meets the man known as Legion. We're in Luke chapter 8. I invite you to turn in your Bibles there. If you remember last week, we had talked about Jesus and the disciples there on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus, on one side of the shores of Galilee, on those western shores, had told the disciples, let's get in the boat and let's cross over to the other side of the lake. And in the midst of that crossing over, this massive storm came up. So massive that it, the disciples felt their lives were in peril. And if you remember, we spoke about the fact that Jesus was asleep in the midst of this storm in the midst of this raging waves and and the, and the winds that beat and and the disciples went down and they cried out to him don't you even care that we're perishing here and jesus got up and he spoke to the waves and i can just imagine the calmness of jesus in the midst of our uh, turmoil the calmness of jesus in the midst of our turmoil jesus walks out and says peace be still And all the rage of the water, all the blowing of the winds, the height of the waves, calms down. He asked the disciples then, where is your faith? Where is your faith? And the words that they thought to themselves, I don't know if they said it verbally or if it was just to themselves, was, who is this man? They were overwhelmed at first by all the turmoil that surrounded them. The fact that their lives were at the very brink of extinction. And then, at that point, when Jesus calmed everything down, now they're overwhelmed by the strength and the power and the authority of Jesus, whom they thought that they knew. But now with this, he has power over the winds and over the waves. Who is this man? They continued on in their journey, and they got to the other side, just the way that Jesus said they were going to. They got to the other side of the lake, and that's where we're at this morning. This next event, we're going to see Jesus and his disciples going up, and they're going to see Jesus modeling for the disciples not only the very power of God over created things like the waves and the winds, but over those supernatural things, those things that go beyond our human understanding, His power over every realm. And one of the things we're going to see very clearly is the complete absence of the disciples as Jesus deals with this man. I think it's a glaring declaration. There's nothing that is said about the disciples, and yet we know that they're there. We know that they're in the boat at this time, but nothing is said about the disciples, either during the event or immediately following the event. Personally, I think that what had happened out on the sea had taken the wind out of their sails and pretty well quieted them down. We know that as soon as Jesus spoke, peace be still. They were able to come to the other side. So we pick the story up here in Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. If you've got your Bibles, would you follow along with me? Luke 8, 26. I'm going to read the entire story, and then we'll come back and look at it. Verse 26 of Luke 8 says, Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he, Jesus 
stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. It's interesting that Luke would put that in there. It must have been a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound in chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds, and he was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? He said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. They begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Now a herd of many swine were feeding there on the mountains, and so they begged him that he would permit them to enter them, and he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake, and they drowned. And when those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it to the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. They were afraid. They also who had seen it told them by what means he who had been demon-possessed was healed. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. And he got into the boat and returned. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way. And he proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. If you ever get a chance to go to Israel, and hopefully you will. In fact, we're going to be going. But while we're there, we get a chance to get on a boat, a small boat, and sail across the Sea of Galilee. And it's totally awesome to be able to get out there, particularly on a calm day. Usually they'll, they'll stop the boat right out in the middle of the sea and just allow us a time of worshiping the Lord. And there's just nothing like the sound of worship out in the calmness and the stillness of that lake. But we know from last week, uh, the event last week, that the lake isn't always calm, is it? Hopefully we get a calm one this next spring. There's a place on the eastern side, across from uh, one of the places that we stay. It's across from Tiberias and uh, Gennesar, directly across on the eastern side, on the eastern shores. That you know, We didn't go to by boat, but as we got into the bus, we traveled around, and the, the highway came close to the shoreline there, and the bus driver stopped, and we got out and went out and, and stood by the shore. And as we stood there, uh, our guide pointed out here on the hillside, a, a sloping hillside that goes right into the lake, and up on that hillside, there's there's areas of depressions like caves that could be very similar to what uh, was happening here where this man found his existence. It was a hillside leading all the way to the shore of the sea. It was an area of caves. Now, we don't know if this was the exact spot or not, but it certainly helps you to kind of visualize what was taking place that day. 
as Jesus and the disciples came to those eastern shores of the Sea of Galilee, Luke tells us that it was Jesus that stepped out on the land. Only Jesus that stepped out on the land. And it says that there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time and who wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. It's interesting, Matthew and Mark, also along with Luke, tell us in essence the very same thing. And none of them mention the disciples. Apparently they stayed in the boat. I, I, I kind of wonder if, as, as shook up as they were from the events of the storm, if suddenly they got to the shore thinking, oh great, we're by the shore. And all of a sudden they look up and here comes this naked crazy man running at them. Uh, I'm not getting out of the boat, Jesus. If you want to get out of the boat, that's fine. I think I would have stayed in the boat. (laughs) Strange, strange things. But then this event isn't really about the disciples. It's a story of how Jesus delivered a man who was so filled, so consumed by demons. I don't know if you understand this or not, but demons are real and true. And they're still real and true today. They, they're actively working about the business of their leader, Satan himself. We've dealt with demon possession here. Uh, Robert dealt with it uh, this last year there in his office as he, he and some others prayed for a young lady from Tucson. Tot dealt with it this last year. She and another prayed for a young lady following one of the Bible studies. They are real. They're, they're true. They impact and they destroy lives. There's a couple of things I want you to notice about this man that's about to meet Jesus. Number one, we find that he is a man from the city. And secondly, he is a man who has been possessed by these demons for a long time. Matthew tells us in Matthew's version of the story that there were two men. And yet Mark and Luke say, no, there was only one man. Now, there's a lot of discussion within the intellectual realm and those that do this kind of studies about whether it was two or whether it was one rather. Uh, there was two when uh, Mark and Luke only you know, zeroed in on the one or whatever. Personally, I, I believe, along with others, that it's possibly just a copyist error uh, when, when they copied down Matthew to put it as two men. Because as you look at the story, Jesus only ends up dealing with one of the men, even in Matthew. Uh, it's not a big problem. It's not a big issue. There are actually copyist problems uh, throughout the Word. It does not uh, uh, impact any doctrine. It does not impact any true biblical uh, truth or theology that we have. There are small things. It happens. If you've got a problem with that, if that's destroying your faith in the Word of God, come talk to me. I'll explain to you. No, the Bible, the Word of God is inerrant in its original languages. It's trustworthy. None of the things where there's any problems are any big issues that are going to impact anyone's doctrine or the truth of theology. What we see here is that I believe there was one man, and this man was from the city? How long had he been out in the caves? How long had he been living on that hillside? How long had he been impacted to where uh, he could not live in the community? We don't have any way of knowing, but I love the fact that Luke brings out that it had been a long time. But we do need to understand that at one time or another, he had dwelt with others. At one time or another, he had been someone's baby boy. At one time or another, he had been possibly someone's brother. Someone's husband, someone's father. We don't know anything about this man other than he had been out on the hillside possessed by these demons for a long time and he was from 
the city, these demonic agents of the enemy that had kept him from being anywhere close to what you and I would consider normal. And normal is getting a wider and wider range of uh, description nowadays, isn't it? But he wouldn't fit even in the strangest of our normals. You see, spiritual battles, these demonic attacks, this possession, they, they care absolutely nothing about a person's status, about their popularity, about their influence. They care absolutely nothing about anything of their lives. What they want to do is come and destroy lives. They want to impact lives with evil and with perversion. And as a matter of fact, I I, I feel the devil delights in controlling people with power and with influence. Because then he brings down the best of the best. He is, after all, as Jesus described him in John chapter 8, he's a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. And when he speaks, he speaks a lie. He speaks of his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. That's who Satan is. And his agents act under his control and for his desires. Jesus was very clear when he explained that the enemy is out to destroy. He says that the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. And this man, this man from the city, had had his very life stolen from him. All of his dreams, all of the plans, they've been killed by that overwhelming power of demonic possession. And as far as ever seeing normalcy, I believe that his hopes were gone for that. This is life for him. And that's what Satan does in people's lives. He speaks a lie into our lives saying that nothing will ever change. The way you are is the way it will always be. But, beloved, I'm here to tell you that Jesus has come to set you free of that. And if there's issues in your life where the enemy comes and continually lies and continually brings you down and continually lays that weight and that burden that nothing will ever change, these same battles that you're battling today, the battles that you battled yesterday, those are the same ones you're going to battle tomorrow. No, Jesus has come to set the captive free. Secondly, I want you to see, it had been a long time. It had been a long time for this guy. He he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. He had long since been driven out of the city. He had long since been driven out of his senses. But as soon as these demonic forces saw Jesus, they panicked. They panicked as soon as Jesus stepped off of that boat on the land. I think it's pretty interesting that none of the religious rulers really recognized who Jesus was. I mean, he walked among them and he taught among them. They had seen his miraculous work and they still, they didn't believe who Jesus was. But the moment he stepped out of that boat onto that shore, those demons knew exactly who he was. It says that when he, the demoniac, saw Jesus, he cried out and he fell down before him with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. Right there, you ought to be able to see that the recognition and even the declaration of who Christ is, is not sufficient for salvation. Let me say that again. The recognition and even the declaration of who Christ is, is not sufficient for salvation. 
James tells us, you believe in God? Oh, you do well. Because even the demons believe, and they tremble. They tremble, but there is no commitment, no submission to him in their lives. You see, the recognition and the proclamation, that's only the beginning. True salvation comes is when you submit your life to him, when you allow Jesus Christ to come and take possession of your life. That's when salvation enters in. Not simply the recognition or the proclamation, but it's the truth of a heart that's being changed. When James says that the devils know who God is and they tremble, well, I believe at this day on that shore of Galilee that there was a whole lot of trembling going on as the very God-man stood before these demons. They saw Jesus, they recognized him, and they knew they were in big trouble. And although in Luke's writing, he, he speaks of the singular nouns and pronouns in reference to this man speaking, he says that when he saw Jesus, he cried out, What have I to do with you, Jesus? I beg you, do not torment me. I believe that at this point in time, these demons were responding in a unity, speaking in a single voice. But what we will see in a moment is that Jesus doesn't really respond to this man at all. His response is directly to the demons that are within the man. As a matter of fact, it would seem as though he had, he had already started dealing with the, with the demons, perhaps non-verbally in the spirit, perhaps even before he stepped off that boat that day. Look at verse 29. What does it say? It says that he, Jesus, had already commanded the unclean spirit to come out of him. For it had often seized him and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Mark adds to it that he also cut himself with stones. No doubt there was a supernatural strength in this man due to the multiple demons living within him. We read of this demonic strength in the book of Acts. You remember a situation where, again, the apostles had been casting out demons. Then there was uh, seven sons of Sceva, the chief priest, that said, well, that's kind of cool. They got the power to cast out demons. Let's go try this. And so there was a man that had a single demon in him. And the seven sons of Sceva came up to him and says, hey, we exercise you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. You remember that story, this one man and seven seven others come in to exercise the demon? Well, that demon didn't get exorcised, he got exercised. He, he, he came upon them and he says, hey, Jesus we know and Paul we know, but who in the world are you? And suddenly that demon, that one man filled with the power of that demon, jumped on those seven others and beat them to the point that they fled out of the house, and I love this, naked and beaten up. The power, the power of that. You see, I believe that demonic possession does give someone supernatural strength. I believe that our police force runs into this on a continual basis, dealing with individuals that are just totally beyond themselves. To where, yeah, we wonder why, why are the police so, uh, you know, overwhelming on situations? Because they don't know what they're running into most of the time. I, they may not believe in demonic possession. Maybe some of the police force don't. But I believe that they've experienced the power of it many times. But none of these things bothered Jesus. He knew that their power, that the demonic power was limited. But he also knew that his power was limitless. And he has all authority over all kingdoms and powers. And so Jesus asked him there in verse 30, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. 
Learning more about Jesus is the single most important thing we can do as Christians. As we carefully consider how Jesus lived, we see beautiful examples that can apply to our lives. Though the entire Bible is rich with symbols and images that point to Jesus, the Gospels are grand central station for who Jesus is. Join us each day as Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to TheOpenWord.com. That's TheOpenWord.com. Although The Open Word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. Here's Tracy with more information about our service times here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe you're listening right now in Casa Grande and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. at 6.30 p.m. every Wednesday and Saturday. For more information, call us at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Or log on to TheOpenWord.com and follow the link to the church website. Thanks, Tracy. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Please join us next time for the next edition of The Open Word.